Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Straight from New York. Yo, yo, this handsome ass. Yo, yo, ah, now. Tune in to Al Joe the Funk Master. Watch your grill, yoga, knock out cold fast. And talking shit, now we talking facts. Where the man are off the back. You in trouble, came to burst your bubble. I don't shelter punches. They find home on your mind about a devil. It's the weekly scraps. You don't need a map. GPS, I'm right here to lead a dash. The world doesn't know it needs, but I grow disease. Planet, fuck a name and the fame. Only legacy remains. Remember the name, how Jermaine Sterling uh, It ain't shit, it ain't shit Motherfucker What's up guys, welcome back to the weekly Scraps episode 153 UFC Vegas 43 in the books uh, Quick little recap man, I had a very, very productive week I uh, spoke to Forrest Griffin, got to get a little bit more of my schedule hammered out for a while. I'm going to be out here for the, almost the remainder of the year. Um, obviously, I'm going to go back for the holidays, Thanksgiving, possibly Christmas, and maybe the new year. Not sure where we're going to bring in the new year yet, but um, obviously, I could do it here in Vegas or I could do it back in New York. So I'm very, very undecided. It just depends on what the plans are, what my friends are doing, and if we just want to keep it intimate and do it with just my, my fiance and I. So talk to Forrest Griffin. We got to hammer out the schedule ever since I had the surgery and coming back here from the fight camp being and uh, from the fight being canceled and trying to train around PT. So after Al's fight in, in uh, at Madison Square Garden, I made a commitment to myself that I was going to come out here to Vegas and do PT again twice a day to try to revamp and, and catch back up for the lost time where I stopped doing PT to get ready for the fight against Jan. That eventually couldn't happen because I stopped PT too short. <clears throat> Sorry. So I want to make sure... <clears throat> oh my God. So I want to make sure I actually gave myself the correct time and do the right things, the right procedures to make sure I could get my body... The way it needs to be, you know, make sure the entire machine is well-oiled, well-greased, and could be fully functional for the next time I step into that octagon. Um, training's been going great. We managed to figure out what times I could get to Syndicate, what times I could get to Extreme Couture, what times I could do some training sessions with Brandon Moreno based on how my body's feeling. So I'm kind of slowly easing my way into training again, plus doing the two-a-day PT sessions where it fits. Um... I had to cancel, I think, two PT sessions because the training was too close and I felt a little bit zapped. Um, so to do PT again and to and not really like I was feeling bad. I felt like I did pretty good work in those training sessions to go and do another PT session. So that's kind of where I'm at with everything. And it's been very, very helpful to have these guys here kind of keeping an eye on me and making sure I'm doing the right thing and, and being honest and true to what I need to do to get back to where I was before, previously before that last fight. Obviously, I've been dealing with the neck pains for years, but I've had like the normal baseline of where I can train through the threshold of the pain, so, so to speak, for lack of better words. Um, so I'm getting back to that plus better, you know? So to not have these pains where I'm looking up like this anymore, nothing shooting down my arm, it's Heaven on earth, man, is God sent, and I am super blessed and super thankful that I'm able to almost have like a fresh lease on my athletic career to be able to do this again, you know, so I'm super blessed to be here, and um, I couldn't be happier, man. I, just, I had a really productive week. The only thing I would say is I've been crippling a ton, so if anyone knows what's going on with that, neurologically, they, they say it's probably due to that. Some things are still trying to figure itself out and kind of rewire itself, I guess, reprogramming the brain to kind of get used to all the active 
um, activities that we're doing and all the movements. So that's where I've been at with that. So for this last week, we've been documenting how much water intake I've been having from all types of liquids, whether it's alcohol, water, energy drinks, um, the Thorn products that we take at the UFC. Um, shout out to those guys. They don't pay me anything, but these guys have been hooking us up with free product uh, pretty much whenever we ask, you know? So for those guys to be third-party tested and to, to be hooking us up, thank you guys, you know? It would be nice to be getting paid from it, of course, but um, third-party tested, can't complain about that. And most of the stuff tastes pretty damn good, so pretty happy about that. And um, we, we make sure we document all that throughout the week. I did a sh crappy job yesterday, but I went to the fights, had like three tequilas and Red Bull. So I gotta make sure I jot that down on my notes to make sure I bring in the entire week to completion, obviously including today. But other than that, man, training's been phenomenal. Getting to work with Moreno, getting to work with some of the other guys, getting in some pad sessions yesterday with uh, Eric Nixick again, uh, hitting about a 30 minute pad session in the morning at 9.30 and then going right over to Syndicate a little bit later than 10, 10 o'clock, but got there around a little before 11, I think. Got a couple of rounds in, like six rounds rolling. Um, and then went and showered, went to the fights. What's better than that, you know? So I got a very, very productive weekend. Uh, I was debating going to Temp Plan today to get some jujitsu in, but I figured today's probably a good day to kind of chill because I've been, I've been going every day since I, I've been back here. Um, but let's get into the fights. But before that, make sure you guys smash that freaking like button because I need you guys to do that for me. Thank you, and thank you kindly. Um, we obviously had the main event. Oh, and breaking news, I have a new neighbor in town. He actually just came home. Um, Rob, he just moved into town. We're like a couple of houses away from each other. It's gonna be pretty cool to, uh, to be, uh, to have another New Yorker out here, you know? So it's it's gonna be nice. And uh, I think we're gonna have a lot of the guys from New York coming down to do some training and, and traveling out here quite a bit. So it's gonna be fun, man. We're bringing the island to Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> Uh, obviously, we had the main event, Misha Tate versus Caitlin Vieira. That was a tough fight. Uh, my main takeaway from that was it just seemed like, yeah, I know they've been pushing a lot of the Misha Tate 2.0, but there's been a little bit of, for me, from where I was sitting and watching in, in, uh, in attendance was, I feel like there was no switching up of the game plan or the attack to try to get the fight to the ground where Vieira was able to pretty much see everything that was coming forward from a takedown perspective, where she was very easily able to stuff the takedowns and almost effortlessly, where it wasn't much of a struggle where they were like jockeying for a position against the cage in a position on the mat where they're trying to stop a double twist action, where a double twist is you get in on the legs, you step up and you twist and you anchor down so you could cut an angle on your opponent who's just doing a traditional sprawl. So after you sprawl, you cut the angle, so that you can get them down if they're not changing their pressure to stop your takedown. So I didn't see much of that happening. It was just more so of Caitlin Vieta keeping her hands down super low and coming up with the uppercuts, um, throwing the jab. Um, she busted up Tate's eye pretty good and she landed some really good shots. Um, I was hoping that Tate could eventually get the fight to the ground and maybe she could pull off another one of those come from behind victories like she did against Holly Holm to secure the belt, you know? But unfortunately, it, things didn't go her way. It's just one of those things. I, I think sometimes you have to have a plan A and plan B if things don't go your way. Uh, obviously, the striking. I, I was calling out this, calling for this in the middle of the fight, and hopefully, 
she just heard me and maybe she tried it and see what happens. You know, I'm just, I was just an active fan, so to speak, that, you know, me and Misha, we had our head-butting situations in the past with her when she was dating Caraway. I made a joke about Caraway. Uh, she took it offensive. Well, I thought it was more of a compliment to her in that it was a, kind of a nice place for Caraway to be. If, you know, if anyone said that to my fiance or my girl back then, I'd have been like, yeah, dude, this is, a, this is a really comfortable place for me to hide out at. If you're saying I'm hiding away from you and my fiance's tits, then okay, cool. <laughs> I like to hang out there. You know that, you know what I mean? So it was one of those things. I, I guess she called it, she took that the wrong way or whatever, and somehow it got spun to me being sexist. or I, It got really weird. But long story short, we kind of hashed it out since me being here at Extreme Couture. And um, it's been pretty cool in that regards in terms of being uh, cordial. I wouldn't say we're like, best friends or anything work together or anything like that but you know cordial or whatever um but yeah i was calling for her like she would throw that right hand or she would just throw the jab and then she'll try to shoot or she'll throw the jab and then she'll be too far away so i was uh saying like maybe try to throw the right hand step through into that single like head inside single because from there she could try to run the pipe or then run the pipe into the double or run the pipe and then take the back get the body lock so you can transition to try to uh, step the hooks and kind of like i did with sanhagen but i didn't shoot a single i shot in high and tight but i pulled him off the cage and got the body lock and then stepped the leg around to take his back so i was calling for something like that and obviously she's a good grappler so she'd be able to figure out once she's in that position but she never really got the opportunity to get going. Um, it's a tough fight. Caitlin Vieira keeps her... Um, I think she gets back into the win column, actually. Yep, yep. She lost to Yuna Kaskaya and uh, Yana Kuniskaya. Kuniska, uh, she lost to Yana. That's it. <laughs> and she's back in the win column in a big way, taking over, taking out Misha Tate, who was, you know, like they said, Misha Tate 2.0, 35 years old. Um, she was on a one-fight winning streak over Marion Renault. Um, but yeah, sometimes that's how the, the game goes. Now this next one, Sean Brady versus Michael Chiesa. This was a tough one for me because I know both guys, but I've actually trained with Michael Chiesa. Uh, I know Rob Haydack, the president of CFFC. I used to fight for him. Um, I know Chiesa's, uh, I think that's his wife. We hang out all the time. We've trained together. Brady, we're just East Coast guys. So we know each other kind of in passing. Um, I saw him one time after, I think, his UFC debut or his second MMA fight in the Uf second UFC fight at uh, in Vegas and hung out with him post uh, his victory. So it was kind of a tough one for me to kind of... Because I wanted to say more, but I'm just like, I feel conflicted. Am I the bad guy? Am I the asshole if I start, you know, because I'm, I'm talking to Brady's family, but then I'm really cool with Kiesa, and I'm like, ah, does this make me an asshole if I start to say so? So I kind of just kept my mouth shut and just clapped for both guys whenever they did things good and good or bad, or they're not really good or bad, but good. Because when one guy did something good, clap. The other guy did something good, clap. Um, I thought it was one of those things. Kiesa sometimes, this, I feel like sometimes he doesn't trust himself until too late, man. Like, uh... When he started to put his combinations together and really start to find success with his striking in that third round, uh, that's what I wanted to see more of because in the early goings, I felt like he was kind of hesitant to open up with the fear of the takedown. I'm like, dude, who cares if you get taken down? Get out of it. That's really it. But you got to do some damage. You got to use your range to your advantage. You got to give him something to fear or you be the one to go first to implement your takedown game. And I think when he started to do that, hit that beautiful throw in the third round, got on top for a little bit, but landed some beautiful combinations in that third round, just a little bit 
um, too little too late, so to speak, you know? So if he had done that earlier, I think things would have been a lot different. Not saying he would have won or not won. Maybe he would have gotten caught when Brady's more fresh. Who knows? That's the fight game. You zig, you zag, you don't, you know, anything can happen. But it's one of those things, if you don't go for it, you kind of beat yourself up later on about it, knowing that you could have done a little bit more or knowing that uh, you were in the fight the entire time kind of thing, you know? So um, kudos to Brady for getting it done. I think that is his fourth win in the UFC now. He is one, two, three, four, five, and oh, in the UFC. So let me see ESPN. He beat Court McGee. He beat Nora Diev, whoever that is, Aguilera, um, Jake Matthews, and Michael Chiesa. So he's five and zero now, taking on the sixth ranked Michael Chiesa and, and beating him the way he did. Um, fun fight, man. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see where both guys go from here. I think that's Chiesa's second loss in a row. The last one was to Luke. Yes, it is. Um, it seems like this 170-pound division is gaining some some real young blood and a lot more depth. Brady is 28 years old. You got, obviously, Chemaev. Um, you got Luke. Uh, you got Wonderboy still, who's in the upper echelon in, in terms of age, in the upper 30s. Uh, you obviously have the champ. You have Kobe Covington. Um... Gilbert Burns. There's a lot of good guys in this weight division, in this weight class now, you know. So there's a lot of fun matchups for Brady. There's a lot of fun matchups for Kiesa. I think Kiesa's in a tough position now because I think the next one is one of those must-win to kind of shake the uh, shake everything kind of off. Just kind of get a fresh start because, you know, you lose two in a row and you lose three in a row. Things don't look so good for your future, so to speak, you know. And obviously I'm not want to put a hex on anybody or anything like that but it's just the reality of the game you know and i know he's probably thinking about it he needs some time to re regroup decompress take it in d do some homework and i think it's just got to be a little men mentality shift where i was kind of and i was talking about this with uh, my friend jason i was sitting there watching the fights with and i was like dude i used to be the same way a little gun shy but then when i find a little bit of success a little bit more a little bit of success i tried to open up a lot more but it'd be a little too late. Kind of like my Raphael Sunset fight when I started to really believe in my hands. I'm like, man, well, where, where was this before? Where I opened up against Brett Johns a lot more, even though I, you know, I was after the knockout, but whatever. You know, I, I grabbed on. Taquino Mendez grabbed on. But when I found the confidence to let my hands go, I did. And then I slowly started to build on that. And I think that's where Kiesa is going to be. But he has to do it in the room first so he knows that he can do it when he gets out there. He could take a shot. He's just got to... I, I don't know if it was more of like, can I take the shot or do I want to get taken down and then control? I'm like, dude, if you get taken down, you got good grappling. Believe in it, man. Believe in it, you know? So congrats to Sean Brady and his family. He, you know, great win for him. Moves up the ranks and nothing but big fights coming his way now. Once you hit that top 10, top, top five, there's no going back for a very, very long time. You're going to be fighting a killer's role of competitors. Now this next one, Talia Santos versus Joanne. Um, Calderwood, this was a tough one for me because JoJo's the nicest girl in the world, man. Such a sweetheart. She's so cool in the room. Such great energy to be around. Um, super positive all the time. And a jokester, my type of person. Someone that can make you laugh or make jokes about themselves or make jokes about you kind of thing. She, so 
to see her kind of go out that way was was tough, man. And you know, she had a position where she could have fought for the belt side to stay active and make some real good money in terms of con title contender, not even contender, um, challenger money. Uh, she opted to take that fight with Jennifer Maya lost. She had beat Jessica guy and then she lost to Lauren Murphy and now Tiala Santos. This one was a tough one because it was like, I knew this girl Santos was a tough fight. The girl throws hard. She's one of those Brazilians who just like, um, kind of reminded me of that girl, I think Amanda Lemos, who just throws bombs, you know? And I'm not saying she's just throwing haymakers. She's throwing technical, but she throws hard and she throws with bad intent. Where I think JoJo kind of throws, but it's not really... It's not really looking to get into that kind of a firefight situation, if that makes sense. So I, I thought this would have been a tough fight, and um, that's what happened. I was just hoping that you know they did their homework and they were able, to, they would be able to neutralize the fight to make it go a little bit longer, or to at least answer some questions about Talia Santos and uh, possibly get her hand raised. But it's one of those things again, uh, the fight game and Talia Santos. Man, she looked good. She looked very, very good, very strong, very dominant. And I think this 125 pound division is starting to really get some contenders. You got her. You got Casey. Um, King Casey, I forgot her last name. Uh, Casey O'Neill, you know. So there's a couple of good girls in this this division, I think now, um, that are gonna cause some trouble. Not for the champ, but they can make things interesting if they can continue on their surgence to keep going forward to the top and and build up some confidence and more experience to really give Valentina Shevchenko a run for her money. Because right now she's looks like she's here, and the rest of the competition is here. If that makes sense, you know. Um, but Santos, she looked good. You know, got the finish on the ground. And he said, I think they said her last submission was like seven years ago. You know, so pretty, pretty um, good stuff for her. And taking on a veteran and taking her out the way she did in Joey and Calderwood. Ronnie Yaya versus Kung Ho Kang. Great, great fight from a grappling standpoint. Ronnie Yaya is just super dominant when he gets to grappling positions. I don't know how he's able to get onto a single leg, sit on his knees for dear life, and eventually get the fight to the ground with these guys over and over and over again. He's not the biggest guy at 135, but he's strong when it comes to grappling. He knows his positioning. He's a veteran. He's got, I think, the most submission wins in UFC Bantamweight history, not including WC from what I understand. What he's able to do is just brilliant. And at his age, to still be doing that to these guys is kind of ridiculous. He's 36 years old. And Kong... Kang was, you know, 34, two years, but still, it, it, he's been around for a very, very long time, and I was supposed to fight him before I fought Marlon Marais, and I, I was looking forward to that fight. That would be, this would be a matchup I'd be very interested to have a grappling match with, to just see who is just the better grappler. Um, and that challenge kind of, I don't want to say it scares me, but it, it gives me, it gives me, like, excitement, a lot of excitement, because it's, it's, uh, a specialist versus a specialist kind of thing where I got the wrestling where he's mostly pure BJJ and I kind of got a funk style of BJJ where I'm constantly attacking, looking for submissions and doing all kinds of weird stuff where he's like sound, technical, heavy pressure, stifle the arm, isolate the arm, look for the Kimura lock, um, get on the single leg, get the head inside, half guard sweep. It would be a fun match. That would be a, a, a grappling match I would love to do, you know. So hopefully somebody can make it happen. And guys, if you haven't yet, hit that like button. Just want to put that out there again. Um, yeah, yeah, just look good, man. And congrats to him to still be around in this. And I think I got to look how many wins he has in the Bantamweight division. But he's been a, one of those mainstay guys.
who's right outside of the top 15, but he could beat a lot of those guys within that division. He, he has a trouble with, he has a little bit of trouble with his cardio. He gets tired. But outside of that, if he gets the fight to the ground, he is a nightmare on top for most most of these people that he's fought. You know, he's had some really fun fights, some really fun wars. But um, he's one of those guys, he's just always going to be in the middle of the pack. Obviously, at 36 now. If he can string together a couple more wins again, he could be back in that conversation. I mean, right now he's on a two-fight winning streak. He had a draw before that, and before that he lost to Ricky Simone back in 2019. Um, before that, he had a submission win, submission win, submission win, Kimura, heel hook, arm triangle. He's a dog, man. Guy's a freaking dog. Got to give him respect where he's due. Now this next one, Adrian Giannis versus David Grant. I like both these guys a lot. Obviously, Adrian Giannis came out to New York. I flew him out and had him stay with me in my house. We did two days pretty much all week. Um, we got some boxing sparring in. We got two sparring sessions of MMA. This is right after I pulled out of the fight. But I told him, just give me this opportunity to see where I'm at after taking almost an entire week off from training to see if my body can regroup from maybe me just redlining too hard to, to catch up for lost time to try to make this fight happen. So whatever, the fight fell through. Not fell through. Yeah, fell through, I guess, is the correct term. But I brought Giannis out. I've met um, Grant before this fight was even coming about and Grant's a cool ass dude. I met him at the UCPI. We took a picture. I think I asked him to take a picture. Cool ass dude um, from the tough season of the Bantamweight division. Fought Chris uh, Holdsworth, I think, in the finals. Maybe in the finals. Let me double check on that. Um, I know he was out for a while. Yeah, in the Ultimate Fighter finale, fought Chris Holdsworth. He beat Marlon Vera. Then they had a rematch and later on, like not too long ago. So now he's on a two-fight losing skid, but before that, he knocked three guys out in a row. Jonathan Martinez, Martin Day, and uh, Gregorio Popov, you know? So, and that was a split decision. Uh, so that wasn't that wasn't a knockout? Uh, three wins in a row, two knockouts in a row. Okay. I guess I was mistaken on that. But Adrian Giannis, in the UFC, he had one, two, three knockouts in a row. And then if you count contenders, four knockouts in a row. Crazy. The guy was on fire. And this was a good opportunity for him to really assert himself into the upper echelon of the Bantamweight division. Um, he's still one to keep your eye out for. But fun fight. I, I, it went back and forth after that first round. I thought the first round clearly was for Adrian Giannis. Then the second and the third. I thought Grant had his moments in the second. And I thought he was starting to come on at some points. I didn't know how they were going to score. And I was kind of like, I can see them scoring this for Grant. But I still think Giannis is the one winning, pressing forward, cleaner strikes where Grant was like hitting him to the shoulder, hitting him to the body. And they were hard thumping shots, but then Giannis would just come right back forward again, almost as if it never phased him. But can you score fights based on looking like it doesn't phase you or just knowing that the impact of the strike is landing? So you got to score it the same way you would score any significant strike. And I'm just speaking out loud here because I... I don't know what the judges are looking at. Like, I don't know what the actual criteria is for clean strike versus strike that was partially blocked or a strike that was hit to the shoulder, the guy parried or rolled the shoulder, but it still hit the shoulder. Us knowing how that feels in training with the small gloves, not boxing gloves, but us knowing with the small gloves, you want to punch somebody in the shoulder. You want to hit something. I know if I hit you in that shoulder a couple of times, that arm is going to start to go dead, you know? So I don't know if that's actually being scored in a fight as a landed strike versus I land a clean jab, touched your nose or touched your eye, touched your chin, made your head pop back. Is there a difference? Is there a preference? 
And that's what it would be nice to have some type of clarity so that when we're watching the fights, we know what we need to do to win, to assure the victory, knowing what to change up. And there has to be some type of discussion for this, man, because these guys aren't being held accountable. I think 30-27 Davy Grant's kind of ridiculous. And Davy Grant's a great dude, but I don't think he even thought he won that fight 30-27. You could make an argument that he could have possibly stole the second round. Okay, I get that. But the third round was really close. But to say that it was 30-27... Guys, we got to stop this. We, we have to stop this. This is it's really crazy. Um, I spoke to Giannis after the fight where he walked by and then he, he kind of he looked at me in like, like real confusion. He was like, was that really 30-27? Like, I'm like, dude, no way. No way. No way. Not even close. Um, great kid, man. I think he has a, a child on the way. He told me he was buying a house uh, in Texas. I think he's won a couple bonuses in a row now. So good for him, man. Um, doing a great job, especially in this in a stacked division like this, you know. So for him to be getting the recognition and the notoriety that he's been getting of late has been well earned and well deserved. So congrats to him and his team. Um, congrats to Davy Grant too, man. Don't you don't gotta hold your head, man. That was a tough fight. Um, you brought it. Um, you got your nose busted up early, and the blood might have played some aesthetics. And that's the other thing where if you have a lot of blood from a runny nose, does that count? Or makes it look worse to the judges? Can the judges actually completely ignore that with our human flaws? The way that we are, we see something with blood coming from it. We're like, ooh, that looks like it really does hurt. And again, I'm not saying that it didn't. Because Giannis did what he was supposed to do. Landed the shots that he was supposed to land. And they did the damage. And Davey warred a little bit. But Giannis warred a bit as well. You know, So, um, I don't know. It's, um, it's just one of those things. So... Like I said, Grant shouldn't hold his head on this one. I think it was a great fight, great matchup. I don't think he lost um, much stock on this. It's a very razor-thin, close fight. Um, Giannis, still very, very promising prospect. And he's going to be one for a lot of people to make sure that they're watching in this bantamweight division. Um, hopefully, he can actually come out one more time when I get ready for my fight with uh, Peter Jan. Because that would be cool to get a little bit more boxing work or a straight up boxing work um or if i can i need I, might, I will need to get somebody who can let me kind of i don't want to say tee off but let me throw a little bit more in a drilling situation a little bit harder maybe they wear the headgear and they try the shell defense and we could work on picking our spots and their goal would be when i get too close or i'm sitting standing in front of you look to come through with these big straight crosses or these big one two hop steps into that South Pole cross or vice versa, you know? I do my homework, man. I, I like to get the exact look of my opponent and maybe try to mix some things up here and there to try to add some um, random acts of, of violence. It's like a spinning elbow into a back fist or something like that, you know what I mean? Or uh, a right hand into a spinning back fist into a head kick. Something super random where it's just like, okay, maybe Jan might do something crazy as long as we, we're... We're aware. We, we're staying sharp the entire time. We can't be fooled. You know, we're not going to be uh, deceived, for lack of better words, you know? Pat Sabatini looked really, really good in, in his fight. Another East Coast guy. I got James Gonzalez for him at 145, Cage Fury. Managed to get an early first-round submission. Uh, kind of hit that Frank Mir lock on the shoulder, dislocated the shoulder. Comes back. Um, not too, not much longer after that. Gets another, gets a great fight against Jordan Tortini, wins in the first round, then second round submits the guy in armbar, then in his next fight he submits the guy in round one with the heel hook, 
gets the opportunity to um, another fight with uh, Tucker Lutz and, and gets the, a good win in this one. Very dominant. And I think uh, it's showing a lot of the promise of the, a lot of the East Coast fighters. Sean Brady, also from the East Coast, trains with Pat Sabatini. I think they're amongst the same team, same um, core group of guys. Um, to see those guys doing well, kind of coming from that same family, it's always nice to see, man. I'm an East Coast guy at heart at the end of the day. Um, I might come from Yard, but you don't know, so Batman come from New York, is it me? So it's one of them type of things that, uh, so much love and respect to him. And of course, anybody that you beat, you want to see them do well. And I think that gives you more confidence that you're right there in the mix because James Gonzalez is not in the UFC, but he can compete with a lot of these guys in the Bantamweight division and possibly even some of the guys at 145. Obviously, he's not the biggest 45er being able to make 35. In the same way, if I were to go up to 45, I would be able to beat some guys, but not all the guys because there's going to be some big, big boys at that weight class. You know, styles make fights. If I'm fighting a Sean Woodson, a guy who's 6'2", or whatever it is, who's able to pick me apart from the outside, I got good wrestling, but I need to climb that guy like a tree, and hopefully I can take his back and choke him to sleep because... That is a very dangerous fight. The guy just needs to lift his knee on one of my level changes, and I could be going night-night again, and I don't want to do that. Knock on wood. Whatever. Um, the other one, Nathan Levy, I think this one was a great fight, but it was a couple things I felt like Nathan kind of got away from. When he was throwing, he stayed nice and tight, but then when he would throw, he would kind of get a little bit too wide. And the other thing I thought, from that southpaw position, he would kind of... Uh, jam himself up. And when I say jam yourself up, it's like you want to respect the space with you and your opponent. So when you jam yourself up, it's so to speak, it's you step in where you're trying to throw your punches and you smother yourself. So you can't throw the punches as well if you had the space. Make sure my mic's okay. If you had the space to let your hands go and get full connection or full follow through in your punches. Full extension, you know, that's what you want to do. You want to be able to throw your hooks, boom, long or short and tight, step through, hit your crosses, uppercuts nice and tight, you know. So it's one of those type of things where I felt like he was stepping in so much where he took away from the distance management that he could have had. And I think he got away from his body kicks that I've seen him put guys down in the gym a couple of times. And I was telling the guy I was sitting next to, because I'm sitting next to Ali, I'm sitting next to Jason, and then Usman, uh, he knows Hoffa. And Hoffa's dad, I'm like, oh, this is such an awkward position to be in because I want to, I have to, have to give some love to my, my, to the guys I know. I always gotta show some love, man. That's just how I am. I, I haven't met Hoffa. I'm sure he's a great dude, but it's just one of those things. If I know you, I'm gonna always show support, show love. That's just how I am. Um, it's just in me. Um, Nathan landed a great head kick, but when he went to the body, that's where he kind of got. I don't know if he hurt his foot. There was one point where they were kind of looking at something with his toes. But I'm like, dude, at this point, you're in the fight. You're in the th into the thick of it, into the thick of it. Just got to hammer that body kick because, again, I've seen him put guys down with that body shot, and it is mean. And then you can start to come up top to the head, you know. So it was just one of those type of things where I felt like the game plan, um, it seemed like he, wanted to, he got a little excited to get into a striking exchange with the hands as opposed to what his bread and butter is with the, the grappling. And then, of course, the, the kicking. His kicking dexterity in his legs is so beautiful to watch when he's in the room. And I think that's just what it was. I think he got away from it. But I, I don't think it was a, a, a bad defeat. I think there's a lot of things that he could take from that to get better and continue to grow. And congrats to Hoffman, man, because that was a, a very nitty-gritty fight for him to come out and, and win. You know, He lost two in a row, Gretschmacher and Hasnarat. So that was a pretty much a must-win fight for him coming from the Combate series. 
Um, Cody Durden, uh, he did good. Uh, this guy, Shalian, Norman, Becky, B, Sean Soriano. I feel so bad for Soriano because for a guy to come into the UFC and go 0-5 after beating so many guys, it, it's it's frustrating to see because I actually think he's a really good fighter. I don't know what it is if it's like the pressure gets to him and he kind of just folds a little bit, but I still think... And I hope he gets one more shot. Obviously, if he goes 0 6, you've got to let him go. But it's just one of those things. I just I would like to see a guy like that just get one, you know. Please. I just hope they give him one more shot and he can just get one. Because it's 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 no better feeling, man, to know you work so hard and to get like even if they gave him one, he won and then they cut him. Okay. But it's like like if it was the last fight on his contract kind of thing. I, I get it. I get it. The guys, it would be one in five. One in yeah, one in five. So, in his UFC stint from the first one and second, I get that. But for him to be able to get his hands raised, to be able to say he's actually got to win inside the UFC octagon would be, I think, would be huge for him. And just like his life going forward to, for in terms of like respect, obviously it doesn't matter what people think, but I think for him, you just always want to get it for yourself just to say that you could have done it. Now you could have done it, that you did do that. That was you, that was in there, and that made it happen, you know, so... Um, it's one of those things, man. There's no other feeling to describe it. And I, I really do hope he gets a, a good matchup and he's able to come away with the win. Um, but congrats to the other guy because he dogged that round out in that second and third round. I was like, I don't know, man. I was telling Ali, I was like, I, I think he might have won that second round, the other guy. And he was like, there's no way, brother. You you scoring the fight. Like, like I'm not even going to reveal the names that we were saying, but yeah. I was like, based on how they score fights, I do think the other guys win. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that I don't think he can be winning. I just think based on how they score the fights, I'm going to say the other guys got the head up, and he sh- he needs to get a finish at this um, point in this third round. Um, Luana Pinheiro, she gets a big win over Sam Hughes. Good for her, man. It's always nice, especially like I know the guys that they say are actors. I mean, you got the... Who was it? Not Espanol. He was talking a bunch of shit about me, I think. Um, there's another guy who's a heavyweight. He got low blowed. He was obviously very, very tired. And Romano, I think, Romanov, wanted to get out of the fight. Okay, took his way out. He was exhausted, whatever, DQ. Um, he won by the majority decision or whatever it was. Uh, this girl, she was beating Ronda Marcos and gets upkicked illegally, illegally upkicked. They, I didn't think the foot hit her that hard, and I'm I'm honest to say, but I'm what I will also, I don't think the foot hit her that hard, but I will also acknowledge that I am not the person who is experiencing the strike. So it's very very different when you're the person that's getting clipped, you don't see it, and I think it's ridiculous for us as outsiders to tell us what an individual is feeling. It's like if you're going through an anxiety attack and I'm telling you, get over it. It's not that serious. Who the fuck are you, man? You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, how can you tell me how to feel if it's not happening to you? It's occurring inside of my body, my brain, you know? So I always make the joke whenever she fights. My apprentice does well. My apprentice, everyone in my school, my acting school has been killing it of late. And again, it's like people can hate on it all they want, but at the end of the day, you didn't throw the illegal strike, and it's not your fault that your body did doesn't want to let you continue to compete. 
And that's obviously a personal choice for everyone because every single situation is different. Like the Anthony Smith thing, they keep talking about that. And I'm just like, oh, this is so old, bro. Same thing with Bisming. They talk about that too. I'm like, there's a difference between seeing the strike come and hit you versus not seeing the strike and being blindsided. It's like someone walking up and behind, and I say this reference all the time, walking up behind you in the street while you have headphones on, bobbing your head and relaxing. Boom, you're feeling good. Someone just chin checks you out of nowhere. You're going to sleep, dog. I don't care who you are, unless the other person completely missed or doesn't hit that hard, you know? So it's just one of those things, and uh, it is what it is. Um, congrats to her, and I hope to continue the trend to show that, you know, fighters, we fight, we rebound, we pick ourselves up, and no matter what people say about us, we put the work in, and that's it. That's all that matters. At the end of the day, you, we got to live with ourselves and our actions and our decisions. And also, the refs are there to protect us for specific reasons, for things like that, where people look like they're faking. Oh, you should faking. He's faking. How can you tell us what we're faking if you don't know what we're actually experiencing? If I can actually do it to you and rattle your head like that, you would never know until it happens to you. So shut the fuck up, man. Why smack you? All right, guys. Other than that, um, I'm going to do the Jose Aldo Rob Font breakdown later this week. So you guys stay tuned for that. Um, always a pleasure doing this. Thank you guys for jumping back in the conversation. And guys, please hit that like button. If you like my shit, subscribe to my YouTube. Spin it back, baby. I'll see you guys later. Peace. Your favorite bandwidth champion.